My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. Hey, Veritas, this is Nathan uh, here with Matthew Morkin. And this week and next week are going to be just a little bit different. It's almost Christmas. And so today we're just going to talk briefly about Christmas and the things that are stoking our heart for Christmas. And then next week we'll drop another short talk about sort of the new year and some things on our hearts a little bit too about what what this next year, 2021, could be like, and even some prayer requests in that. So, Matthew, today, we just want to get our hearts ready for Christmas. I know this will this will drop, like, right before Christmas Eve services happen, all of that. But as you're thinking about Christmas, as you're getting your heart ready to celebrate Jesus coming, what's coming to mind, man? What verses, what ideas, what, what's coming to mind for you? Um, I'll tell you honestly, Christmas is a difficult time for me. I, I It's hard, so I'm... 40 years old, as you have joked about in the past, and so maybe I've cognitively heard the Christmas story every Christmas for, you know, 36 years or whatever, right? I don't know when I was cognitive. But anyways, um, coming into Luke 2 and all this stuff and all the chaos, and now as an adult, just being frustrated with the distractions and things like that too. So um, it was such a sweet reminder to hear Ian preach last week on Christ coming and just a fresh reminder and a challenge to me to not take the work of Jesus Christ lightly. Um, And one of the things that I always think about um, is kind of the full redemptive story throughout the scriptures Mm -hmm. that this Jesus Christ was promised, as Michael referenced two weeks ago in Genesis chapter 3.15, that Adam and Eve sin in that garden and God says, I have a plan. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he's going to like manipulate or twist some political power or do something else. God says, I'm going to send me and I'm going to come to earth. I'm thinking of Philippians chapter two, like he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And that person of God being Jesus Christ coming to earth and walking in my shoes. And, And then another text that comes to my mind again is out of the Older Testament in God's covenant with Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, um, I'll start in verse 15. In kind of the context of that chapter is Abraham has been promised a son. He gets a son, Isaac, after he and his wife were like 100 years old. So there's a lot of complexity in there. Jesus was not the only miraculous birth. In his family line, there's a few miraculous births. But Abraham has just had this son, or it's a few years after, and God has said, all right, go give him to me. And what's crazy about the text, and I wish they'd almost give us more, is that you don't see Abraham balking. Mm. Abraham doesn't seem to delay. He gets up the next morning. They load the the mule and the servants, and they head towards the mountain. And they just go. And then he leaves everything back, and he and Isaac go up this hill, and he prepares the sacrifice, and he lays Isaac down. And he prepares to kill his own son because the Lord called him to do so, because he loved the Lord more than his son. And then God provides, Mm -hmm. right? And so in that, he says, because I have sworn to you, I guess this is verse 16 of chapter 22. He says, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. 
And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And so you see that promise like from ages past in that older covenant uh, of God saying like, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless the nations. And so when you come into Christmas, it's not just this little baby in a manger. I mean, it is. And sadly, some of us have gotten distracted by the animals that are in the major scene, <laughs> which is helpful and a teaching point for children, okay? Sure, sure. So there's there's that. But like it, this baby, like there's this promise from a couple thousand years, and you see in the Older Testament a longing for a Savior. Yeah. They wanted a perfect king. They didn't get a perfect king. They wanted a perfect priest. They didn't get a perfect priest. They wanted a perfect prophet. They didn't get a perfect prophet. In fact, some of them were crazy. Um, and then at the right time, Christ comes. Mm-hmm the right time the perfect priest comes at the right time the perfect king comes at the right time the perfect prophet comes and he lives a perfect life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then i think for me i spend some time reading the easter story the resurrection story at christmas and just realizing the magnitude that in his perfect priesthood in his perfect kingship in his perfect act of being a prophet um he not only takes my sin which he didn't do but he Double imputation is the religious term. He gives me his perfection. Mm -hmm. He gives me his righteousness. Mm -hmm. And that is awesome. Yeah. And some some of the beauty of what you're you're tapping on is the fact that God is true to his promises. And as we look to his character, we see his consistency, his faithfulness. So Christmas isn't just this like, cool, things are going to be okay now, but it's it's God reassuring us once again that he's true to his promises, true to his word. And personally, I've been reflecting on Mary and Zechariah's songs in, in Luke 1 as their kind of their anticipation is building for Jesus to be born. So Mary starts by saying, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And Zechariah starts his and, and says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the, in the house of his servant David. Both of them have this joyful rejoicing tone as their anticipation builds for God to fulfill his promises. So so maybe to, to tie these two ideas together, there's a reality that God gives good promises to his people, and the main promise is that he will be with us and be for us through his redeeming work, right? You're, you're pointing all the way back to Genesis 3 at the fall. God promised that he would do something. All through the Old Testament, he promises, he promises, he promises. And then we can rejoice in him knowing that he's actually true to his promises. And the most compelling, complete example of that is Jesus coming to be our savior, to die for us, for our sin and be raised to life. And so now Christmas a little bit is, is sort of like communion. I don't know if this is a weird point, but like in communion, we proclaimed Christ's death until he returns. Christmas every year, we're celebrating Christ's coming until his, his next coming. Right, building that anticipation and learning to rejoice in the Lord as we see his faithfulness to his promises. And so for, for many families, I know Christmas has a mix of emotions, at the very least stress over hosting or presents or whatever, but, but for some even remembering loss of people who aren't there, broken relationships. I think it, it's helpful for us to look at God's faithfulness and his promises and to learn to rejoice in him as we wait for him to come back again. Um, Christmas is a big deal, and, and it's a big deal because of Jesus. Amen. Because of the good news of Jesus and because he's coming back 
for us. And I think as you celebrate, like remembering that our life is a shadow of things to come, these momentary afflictions are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, do not lose heart. So as you go and you, you know, as you process family hurt and as you try to, you know, play Monopoly uh, and avoid mega conversations, perhaps, if that's what you need to do, um, you're realizing that there, there's a better father out there. There's a better brother. There's a better family out there in Christ. And uh, and because he came, we we know that. We hope in that. And then, you know, as you think about a, a, a Christmas celebration. Now, again, it's not a Christmas celebration in the end of Revelation. It's a marriage celebration. But there's a greater celebration coming where because of Christ coming that first time, we will celebrate. We will have a true Christmas wedding feast um, that will be awesome where we will be connected with Christ as his church, as believers, as the elect, coming together. Just a fruition, coming together, culmination, I guess is the right word, of all these promises. So all those promises to Abraham, all those promises to David, all those promises to Moses, getting my timeline out of whack there. Um, they do come true in Jesus Christ, but then he's made more promises to mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. So we both get to look back and look ahead at, you know, through our imperfect families and through our imperfect celebrations and through our brokenness, knowing that there will be healing. God is faithful. Yeah. And very us, we hope even just this little um, devotion, this little thought is a chance for your heart to get stoked as you look at God's promises and Please don't let Christmas descend to be just about the stuff you get or the people you get to see or even a a fun Christmas service we get to have as a church family. But the greatest gift we have is God himself, and he came for us to redeem us, and he's coming back again. He promised it. He's true to it. Amen. And yeah, let's rejoice as we await his second coming. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us.